in Williamsburg, Virginia, have a love for the weird. We love unproduced and underproduced plays, and boy do we love 10-minute plays. And we have a new one for you this week and every week on Monday, so make sure you hit that subscribe button. Now, every week we're joined by a special guest, and this week our special guest is none other than returning guest, Mr. David Catneys. Hi, everybody. <laughs> so happy to be back. How'd you enjoy that smattering of applause we just gave you? <laughs> it's very usual and regular for me. <laughs> Usually well, they throw things, so that's actually a good a, a good change. That's good. So uh, we're glad to have you back on the program here, and we're going to dive right into this, Dave. Uh, Dave Cat. So, as you well know, this is the point of the part of the episode where we are going to ask you a question that is tangentially related to the Ooh. play that we're about to read. I guess I should Not say big. also that we're going to have a cold read here of a brand new play, like we do every week. And so here's your question, Dave Cat. Mm -hmm. Have you ever had an imaginary friend? Uh, well, I think that everybody has in some way. See, I didn't really have an imaginary friend. I would create entire wrestling matches with my G.I. Joes when I was a kid. In my basement, my mother would hear all these noise coming from the basement. Uh -huh. And then she'd move downstairs, and there was me, little fat Dave Cat, sitting over his WWE, WWF wrestling ring with That's his right, G.I. Joes. G.I. Joes <laughs> making entire matches, entire long, like, even Royal Rolls and everything with my G.I. Joes. Uh -huh. Because that's just what I did. So, so did, they, did they ever get you in trouble, or did you ever use them as an excuse to get out of trouble, or anything like that? Like, uh, what, was, what was the name of that movie? Uh, forget about Bob? Forget about... What, what about Bob? What about... No. Drop Dead Fred. That's what I'm thinking of. Oh, well, it's kind of hard to blame things on G.I. Joes, because, you know, they're about... <laughs> Three inches tall, mm -hmm. and they're made of plastic. So, I don't know. I think, you know, Scandinavian mythology has done well, a long time. <laughs> yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Well, so, Dave Cat, today we're going to read a play. It's called Teddy Tells All by Rollin Jewett. And there are three characters in the play, so you're going to be joined by two actors who you can already see, but the people at home can't. So, we're going to introduce them now. To my left, we have the amazing, the talented, and very dressed up for us here tonight, Emily Doherty. <laughs> hey, Emily, how are you? You are too kind. So you just came from a show. I did. Tell us about your show. Uh, it's about widows in 18th century Virginia. So if you need something super uplifting, oh, uh, yeah. don't come see our show. <laughs> <laughs> and off to my right, to the Dave Katz right as well, we have James Jim Dwyer. Welcome back, Jim. Hey. It's been a while since you've been on the show, Jim. It has been. I've missed it. I'm glad. We've missed you, too. <laughs> so like I said, Avon... That just, was that too much of a quick transition? I don't know. <laughs> anyway, so keep going, keep going. Okay, we're yeah, rolling. Yeah. <laughs> so as I said a moment ago, we're going to read a brand new play here today. It's called Teddy Tells All by Rollin Jewett. Now, there are three characters in the play. And as I made mention again, uh, this is a cold read for our actors. They have never seen this play before. They only know the name of the play and the character that they're going to play. But since you don't know that, I'm going to tell you now. So uh, Dave Cat, if you would be so kind as to play Andy... Andy is described as childlike, 12 to 25 years of age. Uh, Emily, if you would be so kind as to play Nurse Todd. She's kind, professional, and in her 20s to 40s. And Jim, if you would be so kind as to play Dr. Baxter. He's heavy set and he's 40s to 60s. Thank you. There, <laughs> there is an orderly as well. Uh, however, I don't believe the orderly speaks. If he does and I missed it, then I will speak the orderly's lines. All right? I will read the stage directions. So, ladies and gentlemen, 
Teddy Tells All by Rollin Jewett. <laughs> Fade in. The interior of a mental institution, room. Daytime. The room is small with a bed, dresser, desk, and a reading lamp and a wooden chair. Next to the bed is a small night table. A bathroom is off to the left and there is a window upstage center with bars on the outside. The door to the room has a small window with a mesh wire. Next to the door is a buzzer that the patient can ring for service. A young man, Andy, age 12 to 30, sits in a bed reading a comic book. He's a prisoner of sorts, a patient in the Whispering Oak Sanitarium, a private mental health institution. In the crook of his arm is a small brown teddy bear he calls Teddy. There's a knock at the door. Company, Teddy. Entrez-vous! A young nurse, Nurse Todd, 25 to 40, enters carrying an assortment of fresh lens. She's very attractive, though somewhat severe-looking in her uniform. She has a cordial but professional manner. Good morning, Andy. Did you sleep well? Oh, yes, Nurse Todd. Thank you. Teddy had a bit of a coughing fit and woke me up, but I was able to get back to sleep all right. Nurse Todd gives him a sharp look, places a few linens on the desk, and goes into the bathroom. I hope you're not going to start with that Teddy business when Dr. Baxter comes to check on you. She comes out of the bathroom with some crumpled towels. This is something of a decisive opportunity for you, Andy. Dr. Baxter is an important man in this institution. I hope you realize the extent to which your behavior with him today could help or hinder your release. You hear that, Teddy? If we're good, don't let us out of here. Then we can go out and play with the grown-ups. Won't that be fun? He makes Teddy shake his head no. Oh, come on now, Teddy. Don't be like that. We'll be good, won't we? He winks at Teddy. Nurse Todd throws the towels on the floor in a heap. Now you've got to stop that, Andy. I'm serious. Dr. Baxter will be here shortly, and if he sees you talking to that stuffed toy, it might spoil your chances. Let me have those sheets now. Andy gets off the bed, holding Teddy. What's this one like? Nurse Todd takes off Andy's sheets and tosses them in a pile. She puts the new sheets on as she talks. Oh, he seems qualified enough, I suppose. A little on the plump side, about 50. In addition to being the new chief of staff, he's also head of our outpatient program, Andy. That's why you've got to be at your best. Why hasn't he been by to check on us before? Well, Andy, he's only been here a month and a half. He's been very busy learning our procedures, and familiarizing himself with the books and staff. Familiarizing himself? <laughs> and what happened to that nice Dr. Gavinsky? Why hasn't he been by to see us? Now, Andy, you were right there when he had the breakdown. I suppose he's resting somewhere. Oh, that's too bad. We liked him, didn't we, Teddy? He shakes Teddy's head no. Nurse Todd turns to him sharply. Look, Andy, I want to give you some advice. You're a smart boy. I don't think there's much wrong with you, and I've said as much to Dr. Baxter. But you're going to have to do your part. If you want to get out of here, and soon, you're going to have to stop this Teddy crap. You hear that, Teddy? Nurse Todd said a naughty word! Naughty, naughty, naughty! Nurse Todd throws up her hands. She picks up the towels and linens and heads to the door. Andy, you're going to blow it again. I don't know why you have to start this every time a new doctor comes to see you. You've been here two years now, and there's not a thing wrong with you. Well, it's out of my hands. I just wish you'd stop and think about what you're doing. It's such a waste. She goes to Andy. Now look, I may not be here much longer. There have been some changes in the way things are run, and in the staff. 
I just don't want to see you get hurt when you might be better off. He lays his head against her shoulder. She pets him a moment, then presses the buzzer. As the orderly peeks in the door and the window opens, the, the she orderly peeks in the door and then opens the door for her. Uh, she leaves. Andy jumps back on the bed with Teddy. Don't pay any attention to her, Teddy. We know what we're doing, don't we? Teddy nods his head. You're the only one who understands me, Ted. He kisses the bear and picks up the comic book. A knock. Entrez-vous! A man in a suit enters. His name is Dr. Baxter. He's 40 to 60 with a benevolent face. He's a big man, but carries himself with dignity. He holds a file in his hand, presumably Andy's. Well, hello, Andrew. Or do you prefer Andy? Whatever makes you more comfortable. Dr. Baxter moves to the bed and holds out his hand to Andy. Well, I heard the nurse refer to you as Andy, and so that's what I'll call you. They shake hands. All right, sir, and I'll call you Benjamin, or do you prefer Benji? Benjamin, but most everyone in the hospital calls me Dr. Baxter. <laughs> Teddy says there are a few who call you Benji. Who says? Teddy. Teddy, Benji. Benji, Teddy. There. Now we're all best friends and everything. Why don't we sit down and we can hash it out and shoot the bull? Ah, very well. Thank you, Andy. I will. He pulls the wooden chair up to the bed and straddles it, his arms across the back of the chair. I've heard some very encouraging things about you, Andy. Your progress has been quite remarkable considering your background. You pose very little problem to the staff. They seem to like you. You seem a, a model patient for most reports. Well, I know there's been some trouble between you and a few of the doctors in the past, but nothing to worry about. Overall, your character seems pretty sound. I like that. Well, sir, the staff is to be commended. They're, they're a great bunch, especially Nurse Todd. She's the cat's pajamas. Don't you think, sir? Uh, Nurse Todd, yes. Very professional, indeed. We like her best, don't we, Teddy? <laughs> Teddy says he likes her time. I didn't know you had a little friend, Andy. Didn't you read my file? Well, not entirely, but there's nothing too wrong with having a little friend. He leans forward as if to get some great secret. We all uh, talk to ourselves from time to time. Even me. He winks at Andy. Andy winks back. Teddy says he'd wink too, but he can't close his eyes. <laughs> that must get rather tiring after a while, eh? Well, sir, the problem with not being able to close your eyes is that you see everything all the time, even if you don't want to. Do you, you know what I mean, sir? Well, no, Andy, not exactly. That's because you're a grown-up and you can close your eyes. I'm afraid I... I don't follow you, Andy. See, sir, Teddy sees all, so he knows all, and he can't keep a secret, so do you know what he does, sir? What? He tells all to me. What do you mean? He tells me everything, sir, and I can hardly believe some of it. For instance, he just told me that you had a wheat toast and orange marmalade for breakfast. Uh, oh, and a cup of black coffee. What? Yes. That's right. Did I <laughs> spill something? He's checking his suit. Uh, Nurse Todd must have told you, but that's very clever, Andy. What's that, Teddy? He put something in his coffee? Whiskey? No, Teddy, it can't be. That's not amusing, Andy. Now, why don't you put your little friend away while we talk about your future? 
oh, oh no, sir. Teddy gets very angry if left out. He can be very vengeful when he wants to be. Very well. Now, Andy, I have some news that might make you very happy. Are we going to stay here forever? Oh, no. That wasn't exactly the news I was going to tell you, Andy. Why would it make you happy to stay here? Oh, yes, sir. Teddy and I are very happy here. It's become our home, and there's no place like home. Right, sir? Yes, but this is not your home, Andy. It, it, it's so, isn't it, Teddy? Teddy says it is, and Teddy never lies. Only people lie. Of course, this, this is your home for now, Andy. But you're getting better, and very soon now you'll be able to go to your real home. Won't you like that? No, sir. They mistreated me there, and, well, sir, if, you, if you'd read my file, you'd know they were the reason why I'm here. They, they made me crazy. They beat me and lied to me, you know, and, and I don't want to go back, sir, ever. Now, now, Andy, things have changed. Your parents are very nice people, and they care a great deal about you. I've met them, simple folk, to be sure, but nice. No, sir, you, you don't know them, know them like I do. They're rotten through and through. They've changed, Andy. They've gotten counseling for their behavior. Give them a chance. You haven't seen them in a long time. <laughs> They're grown-ups. They never change. Not all grown-ups are rotten, Andy. I think if you give me a chance, you'd like me. Teddy says he heard Nurse Randall call you Benji yesterday. He says you were being naughty with her. What? Uh, I won't stand for insolence, young man. Now... I hope you'll change your attitude and behave properly. I'm trying to help you. <laughs> What's so funny? Teddy says you don't want to help us. Teddy says you want to get rid of us. He says you were hired to get rid of all us poor crazies in order to make room for the rich crazies. That is enough, Andrew. I don't know how you could possibly... I mean, that's absurd. How on earth did you think of such... A preposterous idea. You were right, Teddy. See how defensive he is? He doesn't care about us. He takes his orders from the greedy Miss Nigel, the founder. Eh, Ted? <laughs> I bet she sweetened his salary. That's not true. He paces away from Andy. Teddy says it is, and I trust Teddy. I don't trust you. I don't know where you're getting your information. It's a complete fabrication. In fact, I took a pay cut in order to come here. I'd go where I'm needed. Teddy says you were fired from your last job. Something about getting caught with one of the nurses, and <laughs> there you were yesterday with Nurse Randall. Up to your old tricks again, eh? And you, a married man. I'm glad Nurse Todd didn't give in to you, even though you threatened her with her job. Dr. Baxter crosses to Andy. I won't have this, Andy. I simply won't stand for it. This is all some silly gossip you've overheard. Your accusations are completely unfounded, and this is really a very poor joke. I'm extremely disappointed in you, Andrew. I had heard you were a well-mannered, good-natured young man, but I, I find your behavior very disturbing, and I, I shall speak to the staff about your reports. If there's any staff left. What do you mean? You know very well what I mean, sir. Teddy says you've already fired four people since you've been here. Two of them were nurses who wouldn't sleep with you. Teddy says that Miss Nigel told you to 
cut costs. He says that she's a money-grubbing bitch and you're nothing but a lecherous administrative puppet. I don't believe this. How could you possibly? He's fighting for his composure. After a moment, he turns and shakes his finger at Andy. <laughs> I know what you're trying to do. You want me to believe that you're psychologically unsound. That's why you're saying all these horrible things. Very clever, Andy. You've got a wonderful imagination, my boy. But it's not going to work. I don't believe there is a thing wrong with you, and I'm going to make sure you're released as soon as possible. We do not want to be released! I'm afraid you have no choice in the matter, young man. All it takes is a signature and a phone call to your guardian. But they don't care about us. They're just like you. They lie to us and cheat us, just like you cheat the hospital by changing the ledger and making checks out to a special fund, the Dr. Baxter Fund. Dr. Baxter's jaw drops. He walks slowly, menacingly toward Andy. Where did you hear that? Tell me, a little monster. No one could have seen me. I was very careful. What did you hear? Teddy told me! Liar. Crazy goddamn liar. I want to know the truth, you little bastard. How did you find out about the books? I was alone in my office. How? He stands over Andy, who cowers in the bed, cl tightly clutching Teddy. Teddy! Dr. Baxter slaps him. Tell me again. Teddy! He slaps him again. Andy is sobbing. <laughs> One more time. <laughs> Teddy! Dr. Baxter, Dr. Baxter grabs Teddy from, uh, from him and throws him across the room. Teddy! Andy jumps off the bed and almost gets past Dr. Baxter, who grabs him forcefully. He's considerably larger than Andy, who struggles vainly. Now, once more, young man, before I lose my temper, who told you about the books? And there's Randall and the rest. If you say Teddy again, I'll slap your neck and claim you attacked me. I'll snap your neck. How did you know? Andy elbows him in the stomach. Dr. Baxter lets go and doubles over. Andy pushes him on the bed and runs to the door. Help! Help! He rings the buzzer over and over. Dr. Baxter has recovered and moves to Andy. He grabs him and puts his hands around Andy's throat. He bends him back over the desk and begins to strangle him. The orderly's, orderly's face appears in the door window. He sees what's happening and quickly opens the door. Bill, get in here! Another orderly rushes in, and they both pull Dr. Baxter off Andy. Andy coughs and holds his neck, but he seems all right. The orderlies lead Dr. Baxter towards the door. He's somewhat more subdued, just ranting a little. Before they reach the door, he stops and turns. His eyes are glazed, and he blubbers. Wait. The bear. Get the bear, please. I'll be good. I swear I will. Just give me the goddamn bear. Andy walks over to Teddy and picks it up. He walks to Dr. Baxter and hands it to him. Dr. Baxter hugs the bear defensively and laughs wildly, mocking Andy. <laughs> you don't have any witnesses now, Andy. You can't prove anything. The orderlies look at each other and lead him out. You can't prove anything. <laughs> you can't prove anything. Andy closes the door. Dr. Baxter's voice soon dies away. Andy goes back and stands by his bed. He suddenly kneels, reaches beneath the bed, and pulls out a teddy bear, a duplicate of the one he just gave Dr. Baxter. He places the bear carefully on his bed. He moves to the door and pushes his ear against it, listening. Satisfied, he goes to the chair and picks it up, but instead of putting it in front of the desk, he places it on top of the desk. He climbs onto the desk, stands on the chair, moves aside a panel in the ceiling, 
lifts himself through the panel, replaces it, and is gone. The end. <laughs> All right. <Whoa. laughs> okay. Wow. All right, so now we're going to move on to the part of the show where we have a discussion about the play that we just read. explain it to us. So I, um, I want to start here, uh, Dave Cat, with you, and this yeah. is a, this is a, a, a pretty simple question. I think that uh, anybody probably has an opinion on this. Uh, Andy, Andy has an age range, uh, mm -hmm. has determined by the author that's anywhere between twelve years old and thirty years old. Uh -huh. Do you think, Dave Cat, that Andy's age matters here? Um, I'm not sure. I think it all it would all depend on, I guess, if you get the right actor to play the part. Mm -hmm. I think it's that sort of that innocence. Uh, naivete, but also uh, drastically aware of everything around them. Sure. Everything's happening. Someone who can be starkly honest and react truthfully to anything that's happening, but at the same point is oblivious and wants to be in their own little world. So that's why that age range kind of works. We're, I think it probably work best, in my opinion, with somebody in like their mid-twenties who uh -huh. just plays like a child. Somebody who just looks younger. So you're like, well, maybe they're about you know 25, but mm -hmm. maybe they're not Maybe, but they've been in, he's been, he's obviously been in here for a while. Right. Yeah, he's, so. he's been through a, at least one administration change previous, right? He, yeah. We so know I mean, that. he came in when he was a kid. Mm -hmm. And so he, so making him older makes sense that he's been in here for a while and he just doesn't want to leave. Sure. What do you think, Jim? Dr. Baxter? Does his, does his age matter? Or is this is more a personality and mental uh, place? I think, um, yeah, that's, uh, I think 26 versus 12 is a big difference in how you would relate to the character. Sure. Uh, is it a permanent condition or just actual youth and fantasy? And I think you could go either way in the script. Mm -hmm. Any thoughts on that, Emily? I was picturing it younger. I was picturing like 14 at the most. Uh -huh. um, <clears throat> I don't know. I just think there's something uh, about the way he kept saying, you adults, um, and mm. excluding mm -hmm. himself from that. Um, and I, it's not to say that an older person couldn't play that role, but I just, I think there's something about contrasting the hospital staff as the adults who are supposed to know better sure. with the kid who is the only person who seems to be holding people accountable for their actions. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. And for a heavy set guys, 60 to get the upper hand physically with Andy, you have to be a kid, I think. Sure, yeah. yeah. Or, or yeah. particularly small. Right. Yeah. yeah, I think I think you're probably right about that. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, um, Emily, I have a question for you. It's about Nurse Todd. What What exactly is her motivation here? Uh, it, it seems to me, at least, that she she clearly wants him to be removed. But what is the motivation behind that? Is it that she thinks that there's does she actually think that there's nothing wrong with him? Is she trying to protect him? And, and what is she protecting him from? It doesn't appear that Andy would be the target of uh, Dr. Baxter's shenanigans if, in fact, that's the, that's the case. What do you think? Um, I think that, um, I do think that she feels protective of him in, mm -hmm. in how her, uh, her lines are scripted. It's a very kind of maternal sort of a feel. Sure. Um, and it may not be that it may simply be that she knows that she's his protector and she can't stay there any longer with this new administration and if she's not there who's going to take him seriously right because it felt to me as though she she was one of the only people that was treating him like he was um 
whatever age he is, <laughs> right? Whether it's twelve or twenty, she was she wasn't treating him like a four year old. Right. She wasn't talking down to him. Right. Mm -hmm. And so if she's gone, um, who's going to actually care about his future and, and treat him in that way? Mm -hmm. um, that's what I got from it. But um, I also think that m maybe she knows that he has a um, proclivity to speak uncomfortable truths. Sure. Which could really sure. get him in trouble. And so that's another reason she might want him out of there. Mm -hmm. Presumably hasn't uh, inflicted this on you yet because mm -hmm. you feel kindly towards him. Yeah, well... He and can choose his targets mm -hmm. and draw him away whomever he wants. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And it may simply be that because she treats him like another, like an equal, he doesn't, he doesn't have a problem with her. Sure. And this power he has is almost like an exaggeration of the power every kid actually has, right? Mm -hmm. you, you're afraid of when you encounter some kid that they're just going to blurt out the truth uh -huh. right. <laughs> about some weakness that you have uh, and embarrass you. Yeah, I just take it to a. I, I know this is a story about my older brother. He's not here and never has been here, but <laughs> on the podcast at least. But I know that when he was very young, he was walking through the store with my mother and saw somebody walking. Then she goes, "Mama, she's fat." That's out of nowhere. <laughs> so, uh, so Dan, can't, what I mean yeah. is 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 Andy's uh, is Andy's uh, proclivity, as Emily said, to mm -hmm. uh, to blurt out uncomfortable truth. Is that the reason that he's here? Is that the reason why his family uh, reacted to him the way that he did? What do you uh, think? I don't know. Uh, because it's really the end of the play that just kind of gets me when he, he, he exits through the, the, the ceiling tiles, leaving the teddy bear there. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it, that, that, in my mind, turns it almost into like a Twilight Zone episode. Like, mm -hmm. is the bear actually seeing everything? Or right. is he just bonkers? You know, that's... Uh, yeah. That, that's what it is. What is he thinking? Like, I... At the end, because he walks away and leaves the bear there smiling, though, it's he's kind of knowing about the whole thing. So I think he's just, he goes around ripping off band-aids, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. What do you think, Emily? I took that to mean that he's been crawling through the ceiling vents, listening to everything, and uh, using gotcha. the bear uh, as yeah. a, as a, because uh, uh, he can't say, I've been crawling through the ceiling vents, listening <laughs> right. to everything. Yeah, he right. can say, Teddy saw, and yeah. people, uh, people will eventually take him sort of seriously. Yeah, I think that's why Doctor wants this bear. Yeah, oh, yeah. it's actually the bear that is omniscient. Yeah, to see yeah I think that Doctor Baxter there is pretty well convinced that it is the bear, uh, and didn't take into account this very low security mental institution. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> kids crawling through the ceiling. Yeah. So uh, here's here's a question. This is for for the table here. Um, if you're putting this on in a ten minute play festival, you've got a budget mm -hmm. here. How do you communicate that very important piece of information at the end? What would you do, just offhand, if you have any ideas, to indicate that he's crawling up through the ceiling and is going to go crawling through the ducks, uh, you know, groundskeeper Willie style, if you will. <laughs> just sound effects, I suppose, for the mm -hmm. opening the panel and the, and the crawling to lift him up on a rope. And... So more to it. Uh, that's hard. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, because you don't uh, you don't traditionally have lots of for ten minute plays. Like you don't have a large set and a large thing. You you you're, you're, you have a black box. You're lucky. Yeah. Um, could you do so? You have a desk and a chair. Sure. Could you do just um, kind of two flats that come to the corner of the room and have 
Andy climb up and kind of up through and yeah. over. That's what I was thinking is that if you have even just a single flat, you know, somewhere on the stage, mm -hmm. and he can he can climb up and over, and there can be a ladder on the other side or something like that. Mm -hmm. Or I wondered if maybe you could turn this into a a, a Shawshank Redemption style escape, you know, and oh, yeah. behind a poster or yeah. there's some means oh, yeah. that he can pull the screen back on the door or the window or something like that and go out and crawl around. Uh, those were my initial ideas. And of course, yeah, I was thinking if, if, like, if you had a trap in the stage, like you could go down instead of up and change it right. that way. So he's like, how's he getting? He's like, oh, I'm going underneath. Yeah, I, th I think as long as you make it clear that he has yeah. access outside of the room, yes. then you can, mm -hmm. you can, you can it's understand. It's been a while since I escaped from a mental institution. So. <laughs> and you're doing yeah, very well. Rusty. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, uh, I want to thank you guys for joining us here today. I want to make sure that we thank Roland Jewett for his great little play, Teddy Tells All. Thank you, Roland. <laughs> And I want to thank our panel of actors here for reading and making it come to life here uh, on the Best of All Possible podcast. Make sure that you hit that subscribe button so you get a brand new play every week on Monday. Uh, we'll be sure... Oh, would you like to say something? No, you didn't thank me. Oh, I, oh sorry. I didn't thank our sound technician, Lauren Watkins and Zodiac Productions. Thank you, Lauren. <laughs> And of course, make sure that you hit that subscribe button so you can hear me get chastised every week. And we look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye.